Good morning, family. Um, yeah, sure. I thought the echo was going to be gone today. That you are all here. Am I too close? Amen. All right. Um, it is an important day that uh, I would uh, sincerely ask you that you keep your mask. I know it's uncomfortable, but please do keep it. And I'll try and not spit too much. And uh, I just trust that the Holy Spirit is in, is in this place. I trust that God has a purpose for allowing us to convene at this time. I believe it is a time that God has given me freedom to be here, to say to you, you know, we need to get back. But in our getting back, it cannot be in the same way that we used to do things. I'm really uh, believing that God is demanding of us a whole lot of new way of uh, our faith. Our faith has got to go beyond the natural, what the natural eye can see. We have to go, we have to come to that place where faith becomes the pathway in which we must walk. And uh, before I, I get too far deep into what uh, we need to be speaking uh, on this morning, I must just ask you that at the end of uh, when we do communion, please do not run out. There is a benediction song that when we came in, they were singing. And I'm going to ask those youngsters that were singing that at the end of our communion, Please, I want you to stay to experience the benediction in song. I said to them, it came so naturally. It wasn't a performance. It wasn't um, a thing that uh, they wanted to show their talent. It was a pronouncement to those that will have an ear to hear that the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord causes light to shine upon you. It is a critical time for the church that when we convene, when we come back again as a family, that our care for one another is paramount. It's not a time for you to be an individual and seek the limelight and seek the spotlight. I think in one of our videos, we highlighted that in the life of Daniel, who never sought the spotlight, but man, the man's heart was after God. The man, you know, to those that will still get children, be careful what you name your child. Be careful what you name your child. Daniel was appropriately and prophetically named 
And we saw that in his action and his reaction to everything that took place around him. His name meaning God is my judge. Not the judgment that we know about today. But his name meaning God decide if I live or die. It's not on my own doing. That's why they could stand before Nebuchadnezzar and say, Oh, king, whatever you decide to do, you go ahead and do it. But we know our God. We know our God. He is able. So your decision has got no bearing of whether we live or die. It is the decision that God makes on my life. As far as everything is concerned around my life, it's in God's hand. I won't lie to, uh, to uh, gain favor by you. I know favor is already in my courts. I know that if I stay on course, no matter the, the tribulations, the trials that I will go through, but the reality is my God is able to cause me to come into my position. And so it doesn't matter what the people might say around you. What does God say about you? And so if we stay in that realm, in that family where we encourage one another, my brother, my sister, you can do it. Not because I want to gain favor with you. I am simply stating what I want to see happening in your life. I want you to be, prosper, to be prosperous. I want you to be in good health. I want to see your life being surrounded with God's grace. And so when we do that, God says, even as you will encourage another, we see it, uh, uh, Paul writing to Timothy. We'll go into that a little later. Stay on course to be a blessing. Learn when you say, you know, when you say, God bless you. It, and actually, when I was going through it again this morning, it felt like if I say to an unbeliever, God bless you, I am actually cursing them. Because saying, God bless you, it is I am wishing you well in that which you are in. I am wishing you well in that which you are in. Now, if a person is in dire straits and I say, God bless you, I am saying, I wish you well in your dire straits, that your dire straits, they choke the very life out. I, I don't know. I got a, 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 a fright this morning when I looked at that word, God bless you, or just uh, bless you. And I thought, my God, I need to assess this word and contextualize it in its proper sense and know how to appropriate it in its right place. Don't bless people in their poverty. Rather give them the word of God. But we'll talk a little later about all those things. My Samphonia uh, broke. I believe there's uh, some testimonies this morning. Quickly, we need to get into that. And while you're getting yourselves ready, I must say, all the videos that you have enjoyed, um, I hope you did, Nathaniel was the initiator of that. 
I was reluctant to, to do it. I really didn't feel that. Uh, we were adequately prepared to do that. And the first time when we came in, it became natural. And uh, our prayer, remember that all the what we did in those, I can't remember how many sessions we had, it is Im immortalized in some technology somewhere. It's an amazing thing. Um, Caitlin uh, came, because she came to me, she says, Papa, do they pay you for putting your videos on? Uh... <laughs> so I said, no, I don't get any pay. <laughs> like, uh, what a waste. <laughs> but yeah, anybody with a testimony of oh, the goodness of God. How he has maintained you. How he has caused you to grow. In a time of trial, how have you grown? How have you honored God in that time? Very briefly. Don't tell us your whole life story now. You know, like, uh, when, when, when this thing began, the lockdown, it's like our minds were locked down before the lockdown. Yeah? But when the lockdown came, it's like the Lord opened our minds. Yeah. You know, uh, he, he gave us ideas to start a business. You know, we started with just 36 bread. And today, we have like almost like a tax shop. We're building a tax shop. By the grace of God. Yeah. You know, like, it, <clears throat> oh, God is able, you know. I, re I, read, I read something from Daniel, the pastor is talking about. You know, like, it says, they went in the fire, and when they came out, they didn't even smell like they were in the fire. Yeah. And after that, they were promoted, you know. I, like I saw that I, I saw it in my life, you know. Like I thought everything was gonna. Like we were looking back with my pride, how would see what God has done in our lives. We can't even, we can't even recognize where where we were. We can't. I can't even imagine where I would be if it wasn't for the grace of God, the hand of God on our lives. You know, our lives is changing. It's going from glory to glory. It's, it's, it's my testimony. It's a testimony. There's a song uh, we normally play by, by our house. It says, this is my testimony from dead to life. And there's a part that says, if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. You know, with God, all things are possible. I know that. I'm not quoting, just quoting. I know that God, my God, is able to do exceedingly above more than you can think or imagine. I've seen it in my life. I'm not just quoting this. I know it's the living God. Like, it's the living word of God. You know, like, the, the word of God is powerful. Um, I want to encourage you to stand on it. Don't just quote scriptures. Stand on it. Leave the word of God. Let the word of God become flesh.
and then the people will see the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This morning, I I have many scenarios that uh, I would like to paint with you. And uh, and I had to look for an example where I would draw scriptural reference to. And I found that in uh, um, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 6 to 15. And then I think there's a little bit also in Titus 4, verses 8 and 9. But I think I have to start where it all began, when I began to look into into this. Because on our last meeting with Pastor Thamo, was that uh, he was teaching us, as it were. He said to us, it is time for me to move aside and allow you and allow your congregation to begin to hear your voice again. That was to all those that are relating to Pastor Thamo. And he said, one thing I want to leave with you is build the family of God. Because if you do not have a family, you have nothing. And then I come across a scenario where Jesus is confronted with a situation where his natural family, they come to a meeting that Jesus is hosting. And the family stands outside of the temple and they send somebody, they say, go and tell Jesus we want to speak with him. His mother and his brothers. And Jesus would look around them and say, who is my mother? Who is my brothers? And then he says, he opens his hands, so his arms, and he says, you are. And then he raises a question, then in the kingdom of God, what defines a family? What defines a family? Because uh, Jesus will also say that uh, a prophet is not accepted in his own family. And I look around in my family and I do wonder at times how many really believe what I say. Familiarity. You know, we know this guy. We know his faults, so we know his short fuses. Um, but just beside that, beside that, you can be as good as gold. Marty can say, that this is my husband. You know. I will protect him as my husband for my own image. Cade will defend his father as his father. I mean, I get phone calls from Cade. You know, don't say this. Don't put that on Facebook. What will the, you know, you've got diverse people in the church. 
it might be acceptable with that one, what you are saying. It might not be acceptable with that one, you know. Don't speak your mind. You know, just keep it under control. Rather, just zip. And then uh, we had uh, Dr. Sam Solon, who said, if you cannot speak what is of God in the face of ridicule, then you have lost the ability to speak for God. Because Jesus spoke, even though he knew that he would upset. He wasn't like John, who would call them vipers and all those things. But he spoke in the face of ridicule. That never made him refrain that I am going to offend some. Because he based whatever he will say on truth. And that truth was, uh, its purpose was to set the captives free. It had nothing to do with uh, acceptance uh, or acceptance in society. All it had to do was change the way you are thinking, the way you are doing things, and begin to focus on God, who is the one that has promised you that uh, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That is the bottom line. Jesus came and he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And we can walk around and feel like that's what they say in church, but I do not see it in practice. And I began to wonder, how can I explain to any person that it is true Jesus came to give us life and give us life more abundantly? You know, there are times when I'm saying, Lord, I am not a true reflection of what you would have for those that would speak on your behalf. Why cannot you find a proper man, a proper woman that can represent you well? I haven't found an answer to that one. But it was uh, in the week, I can't remember where, I mustn't stray. I can't remember where we had gone to. It was a Tuesday. Went to Newcastle, right? And uh, um, we had uh, some work that is being done at home. And so uh, there was something wrong with the cable. And so the lights tripped. And then I went and I've sorted out the problem. But there's one uh, uh, switch that is right on the end, which I didn't see that it had stayed uh, tripped off you know, one of the plugs. But I got everything working and we went and we came back and then decided to put the TV on. How many of you have got uh, smart TVs? You got a smart TV, you got a decoder. Kathleen Bo. Everybody. Yeah. If you got a decoder, it will talk to you. Just go home when we finish here. Go and switch the thing off and then let it start all over again. And as I sat and I looked at this thing here, and then, of course, it will refuse to, uh, it just stayed on 100. And I've, I wanted to watch something. I can, I've just watched the news and then uh, until Marty gets fed up and switch the thing off. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and so... Um, we put this thing on, it will, 
And then, uh, uh, well, I said, Mari, okay, you come and program the thing. And then she came and she done her magic and then it came on. But one thing stayed in my thinking. That it would uh, start from nothing. And then it will uh, come to a place where it says, there are so many, uh, it will write the TV stations. And then it will write TV stations. And then it will say total services. Because now my mind is on the go about this family that we need to build. And then it will finally say uh, it's scanning, press OK if you want it to continue. Accepting Jesus. I said, okay, nah. There we go. <laughs> I'm thinking gospel, yeah. <laughs> and then it would then begin to open up and then it will start at whatever, 10%, 20%, da, 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 until the line comes to 99%. It will stop. And then suddenly, it will hit 100%. Then it will give you all the, the number of TV stations, the number of radio stations to give you the total. At this point, I got to understand that unless, oh, no, 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 one of the things that it says, um, it's when it's starting, it says, wait while the decoder determines which footprint it resides. Have you seen that? You see, it doesn't just clambuga. And just go anywhere. It has to find its father's house. It has to come to a place of belonging. And when you have done all the necessary requisites, then it will begin to draw what is resident in it. Amen? It finds its footprint. And Jesus said in, in Mark 14, verse 28, when I am risen, I will go before you. In other words, when we learn how to find Jesus' footprints, it might be difficult to find Jesus' footprints when you are surrounded like uh, uh, Isaiah was. Oh, woe is me, for I, I am uh, in the midst of all perversion. And so I found myself, or I find myself uh, with lips that are unclean. Why? Because I have imbibed that which is done in the family, and I find it is not conducive with what God, or where God wants me to go. Because God wants me to be prosper, uh, he wants me to prosper and be in good health. And uh, I am experiencing the things that uh, are not quite adding up to this good God. But I realize that if I am not in the footprint, I am likely to miss out on what is in my father's house. 
I miss out because uh, my father actually, when I come to his house, uh, I know that uh, he is going to robe me. In other words, he's going to reconstitute me into the family values uh, because I once was there and I walked away because I thought I knew better. And so when I come back home to my father's house, as we are yet today, God wants to reconstitute in us. He wants to put us in the way that we, we have to go to fulfill the mandate that he has for us because God is a God of purpose. He's a God of purpose. He's not haphazard. He doesn't just do things and, uh, and hope somebody will pick it up. I, uh, I am uh, of the opinion that everything that Jesus does has a far-reaching purpose than we have realized. And we short-circuit our lives because we don't quite believe that Jesus can do good to us or for us. Why? Because we, most of us were born in the church, church people. I wonder why when uh, uh, formerly uh, people grew up to a certain age uh, who did not believe in Jesus, when they come to Jesus, they become uh, fireballs for God. They become uh, so outspoken about Christ uh, that sometimes it offended the religious spirits. You know that uh, you can become offensive to believers because you are just talking too much. But you're talking too much because that's what has been cultured inside of you. It's in you now. It's in you. It's, it's, it's in your DNA. It's who you are. How can I deny myself? I mean, Jeremiah saw that. I mean, he was uh, uh, put into trouble. He cried to the Israelites, please repent, turn away from your wicked ways. And he will have one king after another. And they will invite him, come and prophesy. Oh, but I know when he comes and prophesy, he'll prophesy all bad things about me. And then they will say, then, uh, okay, I will say what you want to hear. Then is, uh, the king will say, no, 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 you're not speaking right. And then Jeremiah says, okay, I will tell you the truth. You're not coming back from this war you are going into. It's not your war. The king says, I'm coming back. I'm going to sort you out. And Jeremiah says, well, if you come back, well, then God has not spoken. I love these uh, old, uh, old uh, uh, um, prophets. I love the, the Old Testament because uh, there was a way about them that they knew they are God. They could issue a challenge and know that no devil in hell is, is, is able to stop it. They were able to say, oh king, let it, be, let it be as you wish, but we know our God is able. Jeremiah said, well, if you come back, then God has not spoken to me. Oh, no, we're going to put you in the dungeon. I mean, he lived his life in a dungeon, but he never turned against God because he knew, I mean, oh, there was, he's busy prophesying that God is going to take you out of his land. 
And they say, never, never, never will you uh, uh, we, uh, 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 leave our land. And Jeremiah says, well, I'll show you. I'm going to buy a piece of land here. Because I know I'm coming back. Which bears credence to what I truly believe. That the seed never dies. The seed never dies. I looked at the parables in uh, 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 Matthew 13. I mean, it is a parable of parables that Jesus will open up with. And he would say to, uh, to, uh, to his disciples, a sower went out to sow. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. And I, I, I see that the, the sower went out to sow. And the seed, of course, will fall. Remember, I know in Matthew it says, uh, and some seeds fell. It's not seeds. It is a seed. Because the word of God is the word of God. There is no words of God. It might be in a thick book, but it's encapsulated in one word. It is the word of God, period. It is, as Jeremiah said, it is either God has spoken or God hasn't spoken. Jeremiah, um, uh, um, the, uh, David would say, Oh God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you. Because it is your word, O oh God. It is your word. When you speak, then I will speak, Jesus would say in John 14. You see... Unless our faith migrates to a place where we become blinded to what our eyes show us, what our minds tell us, and simply just believe that God is excellent and he knows my tomorrow far better than I know it myself. I had to read uh, uh, Matthew 13 verse 3 like this. It says, as sower went out to sow. But I read it like this. An investor went out to invest. And then I looked at the next verse and I realized that this investor, he would be termed a failure in the natural. Because he did not choose the ground on which he would sow the seed. Because we are given four categories of the grounds that the seed will fall onto. The first one, of course, where will it fall on the rock? Ooh, Lord Jesus. Oh, okay. Matthew uh, 13, verse 3, 4. I have to get it right, otherwise I might be called a heretic. Verse 4, it says, And when he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthward they sprang up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. 
but others fell into good ground. The first one falls by the wayside. We, we, what is a wayside? Anybody would be able to define what is a wayside? Oh, come on, guys. You'll know it. Eh? It's an entry. Okay. The side of the road. Eh? It's a pathway. It's a pathway. Pathway, entry. It's a place where that is traveled. Then it says, and the birds of the air came and picked it up. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. You allowed the birds to come and take it because the birds can only take it from here and go and deposit it that side. Have you noticed that when you have a mulberry tree, that as long as the place where you are, they, uh, where the mulberry trees are, they will find the birds that have a feast. And somehow, everywhere you will find little mulberry trees where the birds are. There's a whole lot of seeds that are carried by birds and deposited wherever. And I thought, oh God, the seed never dies. And I heard a story when we were in Israel that uh, I think it was, uh, um, what was that place on the, on the mountain where the Israelites were being uh, attacked? The guys made a sling at the bottom. Was it Mas- Masada? Yes. I think it was after 700 years or so that uh, people went Okay, it was uh, that place that became an enclave. It is uh, just a mound that is very tall. And, uh, and so they all climbed up there and uh, made, you know, it, it is, Masada is such an amazing place. Because it is very high up. And yet, in their ingenuity as engineers, they were able to draw water about 50 miles away, make canals that will end up climbing up and depositing water. They showed you where they had uh, uh, made cisterns or dug holes, what we call tanks today. But they would dig a hole and... uh, smear this thing here to make it waterproof, that the water would come, uh, uh, is it, uh, is it Engedi or something, that it will come, I can't remember exactly, but it will make its way and meander through all these uh, canals they made, and water will climb up and fill these uh, 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 water containers. And they were able to live there for many years, until, of course, the Romans... Um, had an idea how to throw stones at them at the bottom. Those things are still on that side. When you stand on uh, Masada, you, uh, the Dead Sea is on this side. You stand there and you can see on that side where they made these platforms where then uh, they will sling stones uh, up to them and finally will make their way up because the Jews were 
holding fort there. Okay, most of them died. And, uh, but the remaining lot, they decided we will be martyred, but we will not be taken by the Romans. So the Romans' victory was short-lived because when they got there, I think there was only one lady that was left to give a testimony of what happened. They were not murdered. They decided that they will be martyred, that they will not bow down to man. They only bow down to God. And so, I just find, that, so they, uh, in this place here, they found a seed that had been lying there for over 700 years. And they decided as a remembrance, they're going to try and plant this seed. And that seed grew. And out of that seed, they created a whole forest in remembrance of those that stood on God's word. No matter the, 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 the enemies that surrounded them, they will not bow down to the desires of the enemy. And I looked at the, the, the seed. That the sower did not choose the ground. He became indiscriminate in how he distributed the seed that he carried. Because he knew that uh, sooner or later somebody is going to stumble upon that seed. Even though the, the one that fell amongst the thorns, it was choked in there. But I do believe if there was something that came out of it, it will also uh, multiply itself. Jesus told parables to place in order what must shortly come to pass. And that uh, the self-regeneration or self-perpetuation of the seed must remain. In other words, he established the principle of the seed never dying. Because if I leave a deposit of faith in you, you are able to go and share that with somebody else. Child of God, and never be too shy to share what God has done for you. Even if it is not to the standard that you want to get into, but you need to learn how to thank God that you no longer where you were yesterday because there is a progression, there is a forward momentum that you are engaged in. There has to be a movement towards God. There has to be on a daily basis, even as we report to God, it needs to stop from being, oh, Henry, oh, God, yeah, Henry stands before you as sinner. I don't have to highlight how sinful I am. I have to highlight and say, God, you have been good to me. Even with my shortcomings, you have been good to me. And if you are so good to me, it makes me joyful to go and tell somebody else who is struggling at that time. I can't say, God bless you in your situation. I can say, is there any way I can help you? Because the word of God says, freely you have received. You need to learn how to freely give.
And so Paul writes to encourage uh, his uh, sons, Timothy and Titus. Let's just pick up a, pick up a few things from the. Okay. Oh no, we've still got a bit of time. And they say if you need to understand what uh, Timothy is all about, you need to understand that, that it is the letters that need to be studied by those who want to share the word of God. It is pastoral epistles. Teaches you how a pastor ought to behave. (laughs) Well, we say, we call them pastors. But it teaches how a Christian ought to behave. Your conduct, your lifestyle, your faith, about the things that we need to do. Paul writes to Timothy. He gives him a warning. He says there will be those that uh, will emerge in the earth that are going to lose their way and they're going to begin to believe in themselves. That's why Paul was uh, um, uh, always encouraging the church to not forget the gathering of the saints. Because it is easy to believe your own voice. It is easy to believe your own thoughts. But when you come in a congregation of believers, that is why it is important for pastors to gravitate towards those that they look up to. It is easier as a pastor to stay to those that you think they are beneath you that have less understanding of what you are talking about so that you can bamboozle them with your big words or your big thoughts or your big revelations. You can thrill them, but go against those, not against, but put what you understand with those that are in your category. And then you can check your doctrine. Is it in line with the word of God? Or does it fall short that you you have begun to minister your own thoughts and overriding the word of God? Or do we stay under the word of God? That's why I got... I had so much on the TV program or the programming, but go and look at it yourself. Just look at it scripturally that uh, it is a win. Uh, uh, as I say, it, it, the number of TV stations and radio stations, they are not complete in there. And I began to realize that uh, the argument that says, if then God is good, why is the suffering on the earth? And I began to think, if you are not part of that nucleus, you are not going to know what is happening. As I say to you, when I went for the first time to Ramah, when they were still in Yansmat Street, there was a young man there, Willie George. I was supposed to be going into children's ministry. And so I was tagged along because I had the gifting to be in the children's ministry. And I thought, my goodness, you know, okay, I'm going for a joyride. Let's, let's just chuck. 
I don't know what I was letting myself into. But one of the statements that Willie George made, he was an American, he was like a cowboy guy. He said, somewhere on the airwaves, amazing grace is playing. But if you are not tuned in to that station, you will never hear it. And so I understand unless your decoder has, uh, has uh, the whole population of the earth, there are so many TV stations that will be uh, broadcasting different things at uh, different times. But uh, if you are not in one of those uh, bouquets, you're likely not to hear Amazing Grace being broadcast at that time. And I felt that it was of absolute importance that we begin to think or see ourselves as part of the family of God. No matter the church that uh, your neighbor goes to, you must not say, well, I go to that church and you go to that church and so we need to be jostling for position. Who is more a better preacher than who? It's got nothing to do. Please refrain from that. You can, uh, you, you can go to a, a, a rugby uh, stadium, cricket uh, uh, stadium, and be part of the crowd. Yo, it's pumping. You can be raptured in the spirit of that thing. Not raptured, you don't run away to heaven, as Christians have coined that. No, 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 we get caught up with uh, the moment. That's it. But when you finish there, you go home. You go home. You don't go with that now. Hey, we were jolly. Yeah, things were good. You still go home. So it's okay to have fun with uh, 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 your neighbor. It's, It's okay to go and encourage them in the Lord and then allow them to encourage you in the Lord. We don't have it all together. Well, I don't. I don't. Okay, let's go to First Timothy four. Um, Paul's thoughts to his son. Verse six. He says, "If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things." You shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Whereunto you have attained. In other words, Paul is saying, I have trained you and I have trained you well. But uh, your training will come to, or of, it will be of no value if you do not encourage your brethren. Let's read it again. If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ because you have been nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto you have attained. Then I'm going to skip all those uh, negative statements. Verse 9. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. 
For therefore we both labor and we suffer reproach. I think it's in chapter 1. Okay, I'm not going to go. But uh, there, uh, Paul says, uh, Timothy, I want you to know, never be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus and my testimony because we have been reproached, we have been stoned, and Jesus was crucified. And I suppose he he understood that his end will also end up in what would seem a failure in some understandings. But Paul says, I want you never to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or in this instant, he says, the testimony. The testimony that he died, but he rose again. That's a reality. Some will end at his death because they really believe that that's the end of it all. That this troubled, this troubler that comes and troubles us. Paul was called a babbler. Jesus was called a glutton. So all manner of uh, decorations were placed on them. But they never squirmed and pushed back and pulled back because they were men of purpose. They knew their purpose was uh, firmly placed in the call that God had placed upon them. Reconcile my body back to me. Exodus 19, Jesus or God will say, remember, it is I who bore you and carried you because I want to bring you to myself. You know, the gospel, it is all about the church getting back to God. Reconciliation must take place. Reconciliation. I know we talk about man being reconciled to man. That is secondary. You will never have reconciliation outside of God. We can go there and kill cows and uh, shake hands and smear ourselves with blood, but if you are not reconciled to God, you will find something to be tripped up about. There is no true reconciliation Outside of God. Okay, verse 10, it says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of, of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of believers in uh, in uh, word and in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith and purity. There's some strong things that we need to place ourselves in. There are some categories. Be an example to believers in word, in conversation. <laughs> you know, sometimes. Our Christians uh, don't know how to behave themselves outside of the church. 
You can't distinguish who's who in the zoo when they are out there. You don't know. You really don't know. If you listen to their conversation, you think, what's the difference between listening to a drunk man and a believer? Because they use the same profanity. We come from there. We come from there. We were as vain as they come. We thought we were the men when we used the swear words. We thought we were the men. We knew the language. He, dear Lord, we had to say, Lord, help us. For all those that we destroyed their minds. And then verse 13, he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, give attention to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And in 16, he says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you shall both save yourself and them that will hear you. It is about learning how to encourage. Let's find, I think it's uh, virtually the same in, uh, in Titus 4 again. Didn't even know Titus had uh, such uh, so many uh, near mine. Titus, there's no four. No, man. Titus is the court. Um, uh, Titus 3, I'm sorry. He says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that you affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to all men. He says, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and they produce vanity. There are some questions some people will ask, and sometimes you will scratch your head and think uh, there's some great revelation that they have got, but all they are doing is trying to discourage you. Especially when you have recently come to Christ, come to faith in Christ Jesus. They will always be asking you questions that are irrelevant whether they will believe or don't believe. That's why Jesus would, uh, would say uh, when they asked him, by what power or what authority do you do these things? And Jesus will say to them, well, you tell me, I can't remember what is it, you tell me this. And when they had no answer, he says, then there's no need for me to tell you anything. Because you really don't want to know. You're just asking. To try, especially when they're in the crowd. Especially when they're in the crowd. Hey, people like who appear as though they know it all. But the reality is they are so vain. So desperately needing to be validated. And the only validation you will have, it is in Christ Jesus. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. If you're a lady, 
finding a man will never validate you as a, a woman. All right. I didn't get quite everything in. I know I'm way over time, but it doesn't matter. But I encourage you, church, from me to you, love one another. Create an environment in your home first. And then let it flow out. Many years ago when we were in this building, under another ministry, I saw it was like a, somebody doing welding. They struck a welding rod on a sheet metal. And I saw the sparks flying off. It was like, the, as the Lord was saying, I use a center to affect the whole. It is as a woman would hide that lump of dough, but in that lump there is yeast that is put in because that little yeast will make the whole dough to puff up. Um, I'm amazed at uh, the little dough that uh, ladies make. And you think it just fits into her hand when she's doing her thing. But it feeds the whole family. I stand amazed at that. I mean, I ran a bakery for some years. We would roll uh, bread. Those years it was controlled. Your dough, when it was boiled up to be put into the pan, it had to weigh 850 or 860 grams so that when it is baked, it must not weigh than less than 750 grams. And you find the bread now, it's less than 400 grams. And that time we were selling bread for, was it two rands? This is just 1992. There was controlled. Now, 300 grams, some of it. And you think, yo, these children eat so much. You've finished a whole loaf. There's nothing the children are eating. It's only air. It's air. Take that bread and go and weigh it and you see. There's nothing in it. Some of it, you can hold a slice there, you can see through the thing. The inspectors were supposed to come. They will cut your loaf if they saw holes in there. They will tell you you're not kneading that bread properly. Because it's not supposed to have all those air bubbles inside. Anyway, that's commercial that you don't need. But let no air be in your testimony. Let it be the solid meat of the word of God. Amen? Amen. Oh, God bless you.